Good morning, Faith Family Fellowship. Please stand with us as we sing Jesus, Son of God.
being enough, the cross of Christ. God says in his word, and Isaiah says that the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The word, what God has spoken, what he has done, what he has revealed has no end. The things around us, our very lives, they have a conclusion, but the Lord and his word does not. He will endure And all of the Old Testament words looked forward to the most vivid expression of who God is in His Son. The very Word of God, the visible material expression, the human expression of Son, the Son of God taking flesh, Jesus, who gave His life on a cross for the sinful world. And it not only did it look forward to His work on the cross, but we continue to look forward to his return. The culmination of his work is he will return to complete what he began. What he began 2,000 years ago. What he began in the garden as God comes and speaks to Adam and Eve saying that one day the seed of woman will come and crush the head of the serpent. And so we have something to rejoice and to look forward to. Christ. So, let's pray. We will ask the Lord's blessing on our time together and continue in worship. Uh, We will not be here this evening. Uh, We will have this evening off from gathering together, spend some time with family, uh, and then we'll be back this Wednesday night 
uh, this coming Wednesday night. All right, so pray with me if you would. Father God, I thank you for this morning and this time together. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that, Lord, you have spoken. You have given us your word that we can know who you are and that, Lord, you, you Lord Jesus, came. You took flesh. You walked among us. You, you lived here fulfilling our, our failed attempt as we have missed the mark. We have all fallen short of your glory and your intention, Lord God. And that you, Jesus, came and you fulfilled, stood in our place on the cross and took our punishment. And so, Father, thank you so much for your grace in Christ. Lord, I ask your help this morning that, God, you would draw each of us, believer or unbeliever, to your Son, that, Lord, we would see him high and lifted up, that we would see the eternal Son of God as the Lord and that our lives would be bowed before him. And Father, would you, would you draw some this morning for the first time to make that decision, to trust in your Son, to be redeemed and regenerated through your Spirit by the application of the grace of Christ. And God, would you help us who know you, Lord, who may have eaten too much and not, not walked with you over the last few weeks during, during the holiday season, that Lord, as small as eating is, Lord, that reflecting on a heart that has been that potentially has been wayward that lord you would renew us you would draw us to repentance this morning that god you would draw us to a place of of lord seeking your son that god you would restore us you would remove things out of our lives you would remove things that that we have cherished that bring death and that lord we would learn to cherish your son and cherish what you have done and who you are and the gift that it is to know you, Lord. So, Father, would you speak to us this morning? Would you draw us, Lord, to humility and repentance before your Son, that, God, you would be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand as we continue our worship of our one true God, Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. that it is finished 
Forgive me real quick because I gave Miss Pam my only copy of words. Can I have my phone real quick? Yesterday, Pastor Joel um, texted me what he was going to be speaking on. And there was a song <clears throat> that about a year ago, in a 2020, a year and a half ago, that um, as I was going through a very difficult time, forgive me that I'm looking down, guys, because I don't want to forget the words, and I will. Um, about a year ago, when I was going through a very difficult time, somebody shared this song, and it's called This Story I'll Tell, and um, it's about proclaiming what God has done for us in the midst of what, from worldly view, looks like a failure. 
in telling that story. So I'm going to sing that now, and I pray that you'll listen and uh, be blessed by it. And then, in the midst of every trial and struggle, you will tell your story. It's hard to see what you're doing here in the ruins and where this will lead. Oh, but I know that over the years, I'll look on this moment and see your hand on it and know you were here. testify of the battles you've won how you were my portion when there wasn't enough and I'll testify of the seas that we've crossed the waters you've parted the waves that I've walked
when there wasn't enough. And I'll sing the song of the waters we've crossed, the waters you've parted, the waves that I've walked. Oh, oh, oh my God did not fail. Sing Thank you, Michelle, and uh, our story should be his story, right? Story of what Christ is doing, and God's at work in you, working out uh, his uh, great salvation in you, and your story's different, and uh, that was encouraging to my heart to be reminded to uh, not keep it to myself, but to tell others what God's up to, and uh, so let me encourage you to do that as we begin a new year. Uh, yeah, I was talking with my mom uh, yesterday and she asked me, she said, um, well no, it was the day before. She said, are you going you gonna to be up at midnight and welcome in the new year? I said, absolutely not. And she said, well I am. And I said, okay. And so uh, as it would be, you know, the older you get, Sometimes you have to get up in the middle of the night more often than you plan. So I was up to welcome in the new year unexpectedly and called my mother the next morning. And she said I fell asleep at 10 o'clock and didn't see the new year. <laughs> so anyway. And I, uh, you know, it's, it, it really is just another day. Except that it becomes a time to reflect. It comes a time to maybe repent. Uh, it maybe becomes a time to renew uh, a walk with the Lord. So it's a, it's a good time. It, it's a special time of the year. That is the sound of the abundance of rain, okay? That means uh, the Lord is showering His goodness on us. Eh? So uh, anyway, um, I'm preaching a message this morning that goes right along with what Michelle did this morning. And thank you for leading us this morning. Uh, Alex is out of town this weekend and Michelle gladly stepped in to do this. But I don't know that I've ever preached. I've taught a lesson out of Ecclesiastes, but I don't think I've ever preached out of Ecclesiastes. And I'm going to give you time to find it. Because if you're like me, you're, you're thinking, now... Where is that? Well, I know it's in the Old Testament. And the human author of the book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon. 
So that might help you a little bit as you uh, try to locate it. And uh, I'm not going to preach the whole of the book. Amen. And uh, I'm only going to preach one verse. But I'm going to refer to several others that are in the text. And so I want to begin reading uh, in chapter 3. Uh, you are familiar uh, with the first part of chapter 3 and if you're uh, old enough uh, there's probably a song by Simon and Garfunkel that comes to your mind uh, and apparently uh, history says they didn't actually write it of course it very much like scripture they stole it from somebody in England so I don't know which is true or not but when it comes to the conclusion of there's a time for everything there's a beautiful statement in verse 11 of chapter 3. And it says, He, that is the Lord, has made everything beautiful in its time. But then it adds, also, He has put eternity into man's heart. And then He qualifies that. Yet, so that He, man, cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So it's really clear that God's at work and He's moving and He's do doing wonderful things. And the most wonderful thing that He has done, He has put eternity, the idea that uh, we are all going to perish and spend an eternity in some place. Whether you're a person is a believer in Christ or not they may claim to be an atheist they may say I'm an agnostic they may say I have uh, no uh, uh, concept that God even exists yet the scripture says he has put within their heart that awareness but he has done it in such a way that you and I can't figure it out and you as I and I as Christians know the reason why you can't figure it out, humanly speaking, because Jesus himself is the way. Jesus is the truth and Jesus is the life. And so it's a, it's a beautiful package uh, in just this one verse. And uh, so I want us to begin with prayer and ask the Lord to give us help and assistance. Lord... Uh, help us to uh, to really step out of our own uh, our own story for a moment, our own moment and time, and be able to step into the place of where Solomon was, so that we can understand what uh, it is like to not have answers. Even though we may have come to know the answer is Jesus Christ. Lord help us as believers to know that the world in which we live. And all of our knowledge and all of our understanding. And all of our science. And all of our academia and all of our wisdom. Lord we don't know the answers. Apart from your revelation through the word of God and Lord help us to see that and help us to embrace 
the reality that you have graced us by revealing to us Jesus Christ and giving to us the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and then give us a passion and not a fear, not a fear of man, but a passion for sharing the gospel, Lord, being fearful that we would not do what you, our God and Creator, have commanded us to do, and that is to go to the ends of the earth and proclaim Jesus as Lord. So we ask you to help us in these few moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, the word Ecclesiastes is uh, not uh, a word that you use in your everyday speech. Uh, it comes from the Greek word ekklesia, and we know that is translated as church. Uh, the idea behind this word here, used in the Old Testament, is the preacher. That's what uh, Solomon calls himself, the person who gathers together a crowd for the purpose of teaching or even debate. And that's what uh, Solomon is doing. And you, you know that Solomon is the son of David, King David. And uh, he is given another name by the Lord uh, about being the beloved of the Lord. God loved Solomon in such a special way. And he offers something to Solomon. You might remember uh, 1 Kings chapter 3 tells us that the Lord comes to Solomon and says to Solomon, I want to give you a gift. I'll give you a gift of one of three things. I'll give you a gift of wisdom. I'll give you a gift of riches. Or I'll give you a gift of long life and prosperity. Which is it that you want? I don't know how you would respond to that, but it would be very tempting and particularly depending on your background or where you come from to say, well, hey, I'd, I'd like to have uh, wealth. Uh, I, I might pick that. Or, hey, I'd like to have a long and prosperous life. I, I don't want to die young. I want to live a long life. You know, uh, here we are at the end of uh, 2021, and I I've listened to a few comedians talking about uh, how glad they are that 2021 is over, and let's put, it, let's, let's put it to rest because of COVID. I don't know if you noticed that in Baldwin County two weeks ago, uh, we had 28 cases of COVID, and today we have 332 cases of COVID. You know, it's not a way to start a new year as far as COVID is concerned. And, uh, and it would just be nice to say, well, you know, I, I want to I live a long and prosperous life. And yet that's something that's not promised to us, is it? There, there is an uncertainty to life, and that's exactly what Solomon addresses in this whole book. Now, what did Solomon choose? Well, you know that he chose wisdom. He said, above all things, I want wisdom. And it wasn't just wisdom for himself. Remember what it was? It was wisdom that he might know how to lead God's people according to God's will and God's ways. What a very selfless request that Solomon made. 
And I think that's such a tremendous thing. But you and I have to understand the context of this book is Solomon asking a lot of questions. He's actually debating some of the questions. He's debating questions about why do we even exist? What is the purpose of man? Why am I here? He comes to a conclusion that if you look at everything that you can see with the physical eye, it seems as if we all just go to the same place. Everybody came from the dust, and to the dust we will return. It's something that is used at burials and many traditions. From, it is said from ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And, and there seems to be an emptiness to that statement. And there is an emptiness to the way that Solomon sees life from the point of view of humanity. I, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, a, an artist. Uh, I, I took art in the seventh grade. I signed up for art for the eighth grade. And the art teacher came to me and said, I think you need to sign up for something else. But one thing I did learn in art is art should be drawn from perspective. If you look at a, if you look at a picture, there is a point at which the viewer is looking at the painting and all the lines of that painting go to a focal point. That focal point may be on uh, the piece of art or it may be off at some distance. But there is, a, there is a focal point, a perspective from which everything is seen. And that's exactly what Solomon is doing. He is saying if you look at things, if you're not careful, you will come to the same conclusion that he says over and over and over again in the book. What does he say? Vanity of vanity. All is vanity. Now don't tell me you've not been there. I, I know if you're human, you've been there at some point. There's been some point in your life and you do the best that you can. You try to uh, be good. You, you try to do the right thing and everything around you fails. That's kind of what uh, Michelle was singing about a moment ago. And if that's all you see from the point of man, you come to the conclusion, why try? I've tried my best. I've done my best. If you're a student, you, you, you know that you've studied sometimes really hard to pass a test and you're expecting to get an A and it just didn't happen. And so what do you tell mom and dad? Well, there's no sense me studying. You know, it doesn't matter whether or not I study or not. I'm going to wind up at the same spot. Can I have a witness? Is there an amen from some of you youngsters? Huh? Do you ever feel that way? Well, that's, that's the way Solomon was. I just do the best. And, and basically what he is saying is uh, uh, life is meaningless. If you look at it from man's point of view. He goes and, and, and asks the question when a person dies. And I know I'm, I'm getting really into, I'm getting myself in trouble by what I'm getting ready to say. Uh, but he asks the question, does a man 
die like a beast and cease to exist. A beast dies and it goes back to the dust. And his conclusion is all we can see from our human perspective is we're just like beasts. As a matter of fact, if you go into biology today, you're pretty much taught that men are animals. I'm not talking about males. <laughs> okay, I know males are animals. What <laughs> about mankind? <laughs> that mankind is simply just a beast. We have our DNA. We have, and there's nothing special about man until you go to the Scripture. And when you and I go to the scripture, what do we discover in the first chapter of the book of Genesis? That in all of God's creation, he comes to the pinnacle of his creation. And he says about mankind, man is special. We're not like the beast of the field. You and I were created how? In the image of God. We have what the theologians call the imagio Dei. And what does that mean? The image of God. It's something special about us. We have volition. We have will. We have moral choice. There's something special when God makes a human being. And every human being is special, created in the image of God. And Solomon is saying, if you leave out the revelation of God's Word, if you leave out the perspective of God Himself... I can tell you that life is just meaningless. Now I say that to you because if you'll read through the book of Ecclesiastes, if you're not careful, you'll quit reading it. Because you'll hear him say something like that and you'll think, you mean this is a man of God writing the word of God and he says vanity of vanity, all is vanity? And that's not what he is saying. You have to read the whole of the book as it was written to come to understand what he's all about. So in the wisdom that the Lord gave to Solomon, Solomon sees three things, I believe, in this one verse that we looked at. Number one, he sees God's providence. And we're actually going to see it as we look at verses uh, uh, 2 through 8. Secondly, he sees God's purpose. And then thirdly, he sees God's plan. So look, look at God's providence. In, in verse 11, it says, And he has made everything beautiful in its time. What do we mean by that? Well, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29 is a passage that's so so loving and so encouraging to the life of a believer when it says and we know from God's point of view what God is up to in his workings we know that those who love God all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose and then he gives us this promises the ones that he foreknew he also predestined here you go what God has started in you, He finishes. He has predestined. Don't you just love this? If you've been born again of the Spirit of God, He has predestined you to be what? Conformed to the image of His dear Son, Jesus Christ. 
In Romans chapter 12, we're warned, don't let the world press you into its mold. And here we're told in chapter 8, that at verse 29, what's God doing? For you as a believer, He is pressing you into the mold of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if that brings you great comfort or not, but it should, it should so excite you as you look to a new year with all of its uncertainties. We've now got a spike in COVID. What's going to happen? What's the new thing down the road? I don't know. Am I going to have a job six months from now? All of those questions really become easy to answer if we know that we are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ by the providential hand of a loving Heavenly Father. God's going to provide for you. God is going to take care of you. If we only look at the natural world, the physical world, and not look at the metaphysical or the spiritual world, problems that come up are unsolvable. What is the meaning of life? You can't solve it. But God solves the problem. Notice what He says in verses 1 through 8. It says, for everything there is a season. There is a time for every matter under heaven. And so he's going to give us 14 statements. They're contrasting statements. And it says, notice this, there is a time to be born. There's a time to die. Notice in the providence of God. You were born, and guess what? There'll be a time for you to die. You and I shouldn't fear, fear death as believers in Jesus Christ because our times are in His hands and the moment that God comes to take us home, it will be a glorious home going. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and I'm going to receive you not to... Just some room somewhere. What did he say? I'm going to receive you unto myself. That where I am there you may be also. What a glorious truth of the gospel. It is wonderful. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. He says there's a time to plant. And there's a time to pluck up that which is planted. It, all of these are self-explanatory. But notice the contrast. In the providence of God, there is a time to kill and there is a time to still, uh, uh, to heal rather. I don't know where I came up with still. <laughs> there's a time to heal. There's a time to break down and there's a time to build up. You know, that old house, sometimes it doesn't need to be renovated, does it? It just needs to come down. There's a time for everything according to the providence of God. Sometimes you and I need to cling to things tightly and other times we need to just let them go. Let them go. Uh, my, my mother is, uh, and I, I always refer to my mother, I guess because I'm in, invested in her life so much these days. Uh, uh, 
my mother, my dad at one time was a Mason. And they had a Masonic Bible which was full of all kinds of heretical teachings uh, in this Masonic Bible. And the other day she said, I don't know what happened to that Bible. I, I, somebody, somebody in the family took it. Somebody got, got rid of it. Well, I know who got rid of it. It was my dad. When my dad became a born-again believer in Christ and he looked at what was in it, he said, that thing needs to go. It needs to be destroyed. And he did. He took it out in the backyard and burned it up. It's gone. You see, in the providence of God, you and I, as we grow in Christ, there's a reality. There's just some things that just need to be torn down. And that's what he says. It says there's a time to weep and there's a time to laugh. Now, we would love to stay at the laughter moments. But you and I don't know the fullness of what laughter is until what? Until we've wept. And when we weep, we can fully appreciate the laughter. There's a time to mourn. And there is. And yet there's a time to dance. I wish my teachers at my Baptist church that I grew up in would have read this because they taught us not to dance. <laughs> and so I can't dance, okay? <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to be funny. <clears throat> there's a time to cast away stones and there's a time to gather stones together. There's, there, it, it could be that he's talking about agriculture here. Uh, I lived in a part of Arkansas where uh, stones grew out of the ground. The freezing and the thawing of the ground, you would, you would clear a field and then two years later it was full of stones again. I'm not so sure, but he also could be talking about capital, capital punishment in their day as well. There, there's a time to gather stones in order to inflict the judgment of God. But then... Like Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. There's time to scatter. I don't know. There's a time to embrace and there is a time from embracing. And a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear, a time to sow. A time to keep silence, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. You see, through all of this, what Solomon came to understand was the providence of God. And yet, in all the providence of God, as you see this dualism, this contrasting here... It is apparent that man has a sin problem. Man has a sin problem. Because of these contrasts, we see there's time for war and there's a time uh, that we should have peace. Why do we have wars? Because we're sinful. Why do we fight? Why is there a time to embrace and a time to stop embracing? Why shouldn't there just be always a time to embrace? Because we are sinful people. And what is God's answer to our sinfulness? 
You know, Solomon could have simply said judgment. And God would be just and he would be righteous in his judgment. But I love God's response to it. We, we know John 3.16. We looked at it a couple of weeks ago. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But the next verse says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Might be saved. God in his providence has provided for us a Savior. God didn't leave us, but he came after us. But what secondly is God's purpose? Well, uh, his his uh, uh, providence is he made everything beautiful in its time, but his purpose is he has put eternity into man's heart. You see, we don't exist for time. We exist for eternity. Man's going to die, and he's going to spend an eternity somewhere. We can't get away from that. I mean, death is such a final thing. It's such a hurtful thing. When someone that we love dies, someone that we love who's in Christ, death brings separation. And the only hope that we have is they're with the Lord and we will see them again someday. But what about when somebody who has lived their life totally contrary to God and says, I, I don't believe that God exists. I, I abhor the thought, the concept of God. We know that the reality of the revealed Word of God is they are going to spend an eternity in a place called hell. Because they have rejected the beautiful Son of God and the greatness of His gift. We need to remember like what Solomon is trying to communicate here to us. What God is trying to say uh, is that he has put eternity in our hearts. Warren Wiersbe was a uh, pastor uh, at Moody Memorial Church back in the last century. And he made this statement. He said, from, from before our birth to the moment of our death, God is accomplishing his divine purposes even though we may not always understand what he is doing all you have to do is look at Joseph look at the life of Joseph uh, Joseph is uh, uh, the epitome of I'm doing the right things and everything is turning out all wrong you know he had, a, he had a dream, he shares that dream. I, I think there are others, I think others are wrong who say he was bragging. I don't think he was bragging. They didn't have a copy of God's Word in those days. And how did God speak? Hebrews chapter 1 tells us in past times God spoke. One of the ways was through dreams. I believe God was giving Joseph a, a, a word. This is what's going to happen. I've got a plan and a purpose. And I love you. And he shares that dream. And what, does it, what happens to him? His brothers try to kill him. And, and everywhere he turns, it turns out wrong. And I love how the story concludes in Genesis 50 and verse 20. He says to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. 
God has put eternity in your heart and it is His purpose through all the good and the difficult of life to bring you to the eternal relationship with Jesus Christ whereby God gets the glory and you and I receive His grace. And I think, I think Solomon, though he didn't have the language of the New Testament, I think he understood that was exactly what God was saying. You see, God's purpose for Joseph is the same purpose that God has for us. Ephesians 1, 5 and following says, He predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will. Isn't that a wonderful statement of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It is his design to adopt you into his family now and forever. He picks you. He chooses you. God comes and says, I want you. You are mine. That's what saving grace looks like. We who are sinners, evil at the very core of who we are. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. And we can't. But God says he wants to adopt us as his sons through Jesus Christ to the praise of his glorious grace in his beloved son. Well, number three. His plan. Well, what's his plan? Well, he's made everything beautiful in its time. That's his providence. He has put eternity into man's heart. And that his, is his purpose. And yet, look at this phrase. Yet he did it in such a way that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Now, that seems confusing. In other words, you can't figure it out. You can't figure God out. God has to be revealed to you. God has to be shown to you. Now I know it comes through teaching the word of God. It comes through the times that we have together in Sunday school and vacation Bible school and, and, and the preaching of the word. Parents teaching their children at home the truths of God's word. Uh, reading the Bible for yourself. Crying out unto God. God reveal yourself to me. There was a Puritan pastor by the name of Thomas Watson. He said, eternity to the godly is a day that has no sunset. Eternity to the wicked is a night that has no sunrise. You see what God has done in his plan? He has chosen to reveal there's one way to understand why I'm here. What's the meaning of life? What's my purpose? What am I to do? Where am I to go? What am I to say? It's a life in Christ. It's a life only in Christ. The message of the gospel is Christ himself. The hope of glory. The message of every believer needs to be, I can't answer all those questions for you except in Christ. It is only in knowing him that you understand God's eternal plan. 
There's futility and meaningless in life. Vanity of vanity. All is vanity unless you know Christ. And when you know Christ, you know that God has redeemed you and saved you. And He's conforming you to the image of His Son. We're reminded that God showed His love toward us even that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When Peter preached at Pentecost, he shared the plan of God. He said in, in Acts 2, 21, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So men of Israel, hear these words. This Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs, God did through him in your midst, and you yourselves know, this Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified him, God raised him from the dead. You see, the plan of God is Jesus Christ. It is your life in Christ, my life in Christ. So as Solomon comes to the end of the book, verse 13, it's the second to the last verse in Ecclesiastes, he comes to this conclusion. The end of the matter is this. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You want to know wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You and I will only know the wisdom of God by coming to His Word and saying, this is, this is not a book. This is the book of life. It is God speaking to me. The God who made and created this world, He has spoken in His Word, and I fear God, and I am going to be in His Word. And I choose not to fear man. And then secondly, it's faith in Christ. Faith in Christ will bring you to the fullness of wisdom. You'll understand. There's an old song that the country singers, the, uh, the southern gospel, I didn't mean country, southern gospel singers uh, would sing. We will understand it better by and by. By and by. By and by. When the morning comes... You and I aren't going to understand it all except in Christ. So what is the Lord commanding since He said keep His commandments? The Lord is commanding us to trust in His Son. What do you do for 2022? Trust in Christ. No matter what the circumstances may be. The Lord is commanding you to trust in His Spirit to be at work in you. I can't. I can't accomplish it. The will to do, I find, Paul said, but the power to do it, I find not. Where is the power? It is in the Holy Spirit. The Lord is commanding you and I to trust in the sovereignty of a loving Heavenly Father who's working all things according to the counsel of His will. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Are you trusting in Christ? Is He the answer to all your questions? And I would say, if you're in Christ, He is. If not, then today would be the day to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Father, as we 
as we take time on this first or second day of a new year, this first Sunday, Lord, help us to know that we're not going to know the answers to all of life's questions. Because only you know the answer to all those questions. And yet your word has revealed that it is out of your providence, your provision for our lives. It is out of your purpose that you have designed for us. And out of your plan of redeeming us that we come to know that life is not vain. Life is not empty. That, Lord, life is your story of grace in the lives of your people who are redeemed by saving grace. And we're to tell that story to everyone we come in contact with. And so, Father, I pray that if there will be one here, young, middle-aged, or older, who is yet to hear that call and respond to the grace of Jesus Christ, that this day would be the beginning of their knowing Christ and knowing the answer for life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.